0: Off top in 1902, the first Rose Bowl was played. Michigan was beating Stanford so bad that with eight minutes to go in the game, Stanford quit. Play the music.
1: This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.
2: Is that the first rage quit in recorded history? (laughs) I think it is. I think it is the first rage quit
0: and also the first Rose Bowl. And I didn't realize it. So, like, I have a list of, like, off tops that I draw from. And I could not choose this one today, considering what I want to talk about. We want to talk about the great Andrew Luck, who was once a Stanford Cardinal, who decided to quit, retire, whatever you want to call it. So, Seth Wickersham wrote an article. I'm sure everyone's heard of it by or heard about it by now, even if you haven't read it. Um, But I feel like it didn't get as much attention, which is part of the reason why I want to talk about it, because I thought it was incredible, like incredibly uh, interesting and thought provoking. And I was surprised. I feel like this this conversation might go to like some philosophical and deep places. So I will warn everybody of that now and also tell you there's fun at the end. Right, Charlie, you got some fun for us at the end. We got a lot of fun. We got a lot of fun.
2: Also, like, being interested in the subject matter is fun. And even though it can be heavy and thoughtful, we're going to talk about it.
0: I mean, you don't got to sell me on that. Like, this is the stuff that actually gets me the most excited is when we can use sports as an opportunity to get into these type of, I don't know, deeper, more important questions. And this piece, so I was shocked by this morning when I was getting ready for uh, Get Up, I was talking to one of the producers, and I was surprised that we like came away with different takeaways. Like I got the feeling that Andrew Luck quit and like the end of it was he kind of found a life that he's happy with. And the producer was saying that he he quit and he's still looking. And what jumped out to me is like, I felt like this article is, had something in it that everyone should be able to relate to, but it spoke so directly to an experience that feels uniquely professional athlete even though he decided when to quit no one with the exception of Tom Brady of course can play forever and everyone's career ends at some point and no one is ever ready for it no matter how ready you think you are and I can say this from experience because I was like the air quotes if you're not watching on YouTube I was like the smart athlete and I was prepared for football and I also like didn't get forced out. Like I I had opportunities to sign other contracts and all, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to go to business school and I'm going to go do other things in life. But I don't think it's so hard to see yourself when you are yourself. And I don't think I realized how much of though I felt like the smart athlete, it made me feel like I was different than other guys in the locker room. I was like marginally different than them. And then entering society, I realized, no, you are them. And you like I, I I am them. And what I mean by that is not a judgment at all. It's just that all of our identities, athlete or not, I think is so much tied up in what we do. And also yeah. like the stories that we tell ourselves. And that was one of the the key sentences that jumped out of me and key portions of this. I don't know. I'm sorry if I, I go back to these, these uh, things that are underlined, but here it is. Luck has told himself a lot of stories over the years trying to measure or discover the distance between his own narrative and his reality. Mm-hmm. Like that hit hard to me because I think we all do that whether we want to be conscious of it or not is when something goes wrong, we need a story for why it went wrong. Whether right. it's like an active thing or when something goes right. If you ever ask somebody... Like, how did you, a successful person, or even someone who's not successful, how did you end up here? They will create a story that, uh, like, promotes the narrative that they want you to believe. Working backwards. Yeah. And then they'll find, they'll cherry pick the events in their lives that make it sound like a movie. Because, like, when people ask me, how'd you become a football player? I tell them true anecdotes But it also seems ridiculous. So, like, one of the stories that I always tell people is, like, when do you know you want to play foot, be a professional athlete? This is true. When I was six years old, I told my dad I wanted to be a pro football player. My dad told me, well, you need to do something to get closer to that goal every day. That night, I did crunches until my pants. And (laughs) that's a, a, a real thing that actually happened. That night, we had a conversation about moderation. But, like, I think that... To me, at least that speaks to like how I just outwork everybody and like how I'm just so like intense. And like there's right. another couple of stories that go that that I tell normally to get to the final ending point. But if I chose to tell the story and make it all focus on luck, I could find not Andrew Luck, but like actual yeah. luck. I could find all the things that like so my home school, my home high school. Wasn't a very good high school. So my mom forced us to go to a magnet school that had a football program that was only two years old. And it's like random luck. I ended up there and there was random luck. The coach who was there and the players that were there and like all that stuff happens in college. I wasn't supposed to start, but people got injured. I started on a Thursday night primetime game and had a great game. All of a sudden, I'm like one of the top corners in ACC. Like that's all luck. And in that game, when I rewatched that game, I was terrible. (laughs) <laughs> the only reason, only reason why I succeeded was because Clemson saw a freshman corner and they were like, we're going to go deep. And I had decided, you know what you're not going to do is go deep. They could have hit me up for 400 yards if they would have just thrown some 10-yard routes. But anyway, the point is, it's just all it, – it depends on the stories that we tell ourselves and the and the type of protagonist that we want ourselves to be. And it's a mm-hmm. weird place to be because, I don't know. I don't know if it's all it's, – it's also about – the stories that we believe other people and now I'm speaking for myself. I can't say that everyone feels this, but it's the stories that we believe other people believe about us is like so much tied to our, um, our self-perception and our happiness. And I, I see that in myself and I saw so much of that in this piece for Andrew
2: Luck where I've been rambling and going on. So I'll give you a second to say, I mean, this is, this is your lane. And the, the irony is, and so I think we, we ended up closer than you and the GetUp producer did on what you took away from the piece. But what I took away... Okay, first of all, when Andrew Luck retired, he did not seem to me like someone who was going to come back and play more football. He se- there seemed to be a sense of finality, and a sense of peace, even if he was sad about it. What we've learned since then is there was no sense of peace. And he's had to try and find it. And where you think he's now found it and he's okay with that piece, what I think is he's okay with searching for it and i think that was the interesting thing and that was that was a level of introspection that to me comes with a, a lot of therapy and a lot of self work that he hadn't thought of and found over the t- over the course of you know his playing career because he didn't have to and there's something you said that just jumped out at me and it's that everyone wants to feel in control of how how they ended up there um and and but seriously like it's not fun for Andrew Luck to be like, well, I was born 6'4 with a laser rocket arm. If this just was going to happen regardless. like you, you have to feel like you put in something special. And that's not just sports. That's everything. That connects to where I am in my life, where the listeners are, everyone. You want to think that you did something to get there. And I think that was very clear with that Andrew Luck, at a certain point, got lost of what he could do to get to the next point in his life. And I think that was a really interesting vulnerability that he shared. Um, and I can't speak to it from the athlete perspective. But right. what I can speak to it very quickly is when I was growing up, someone who is a dear friend, more like a sibling to me, was this guy, Danny Holson, who's the second overall pick in the major league draft. We grew up together. We played high school baseball together. He's the exact same. We're the exact same age as Andrew Luck. He got drafted by the Mariners second overall. He, You can Google him if you've never heard of him. You could literally say he's the greatest college pitcher of all time. Um, he got drafted between Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, went to the minor leagues. He was better than them, straight up. Yeah. He had the same shoulder injury as Andrew Luck. And what you learn in that piece, there's a piece that start, struck out to me, is Andrew Luck said he's, he built his entire life around the health of his shoulder. I watched that from a dear friend. And what that does is it can sap away at your self-esteem, even if it doesn't sap sap away at your confidence. Andrew Luck could walk down on the football field and he probably said, I've never played someone better than me. Even to this day, as he's retiring, he didn't get played off the field. He didn't want to go through his entire life being defined by something he couldn't control and was making him miserable. And searching for something new, something new, a new purpose, and being okay with searching for that was like... What I took away, that he's on his Don Quixote quest to find that. And I find that, like, very relatable, even if he is this uber-talented, uber-special person that I can never fully understand. Yeah, and it's
0: in reading into it, it seemed like he's still, like, it's it's he knows that he's telling himself stories, but he's still telling himself these stories because right. it feels like he's trying to present. And I, I agree with you. It's not that he's found this piece. It's that he's found comfort in looking for this piece. But I think he's trying to present, like, he has found this piece, which like if you can convince yourself of that, that is like kind of what we're all trying to do in some way. So the shoulder thing is interesting because again, it goes back to that identity because if you can boil Andrew Luck down to like what his identity was for most of his life, it is that shoulder and for that to break down is like, then who am I? And I thought I found it interesting while we talk about, Tom Brady a lot on on Get Up and on everything. He comes up a lot and everyone, uh, not everyone, but often I get asked the question because like I'm the only athlete at the desk. They're like, so, what's what does the athlete think right here? And I'm like, no, Tom Brady is not a normal athlete. He's not a normal person because to continue and like you can argue, I don't want to speculate, but like it has to, time is finite. So like you're committing this time to something and it's taken away from other things. How that impacts everything else is not for me to say. But in this piece for Andrew Luck, it was very clear that his wife was like, yeah, you about to lose me because yeah. of the person that and I think she was just his girlfriend at the time, maybe. But anyway, yeah. you're about to lose me because of the person that you have become. And I'll, I'll read another little passage that jumped out to me. I think this is behind a paywall. So I might get like. a Yeah, that's I was about to be.
2: say that it's
0: the, that was a tough part. Well, sue me, Seth um anyway so uh i won't read anymore this is the last one so he became someone he didn't want to be or specifically he tapped into a part of his personality he didn't always relish and (laughs) that like strikes me as and it it talks a bunch about how he stepped into a ready-made situation where peyton manning had already done it and peyton Mm -hmm. manning was a control freak and he was like built for this and whatever his personality was such that he was comfortable in this position and then Andrew showed up and he had the Peyton Manning ability but then they're like no you got to do all this other Peyton Manning stuff and like his his daughter was born at Peyton Manning hospital like it's just weird that all this looming over him and he found from it it started with going to Holland which is uh, an interesting little anecdote but he found a way to stop something that we don't often do. And the injuries caused this and the trip to the Netherlands caused this to stop Mm -hmm. and actually assess. And that, that brings me to a thought I had about scarcity is uh, I read this book a few years ago called scarcity that just talks about the impact of scarcity on performance and how in certain situations it makes us better in certain situations, it makes us worse. So it just made me think about how, uh, like having scarcity clarifies things for people. So when I stopped playing, there were days that I woke up like, what am I like? Who am I? What am I going to do? What's the next step? What should I do? What should I want to do? And you know what? It's not something that I'm at all bothered by, but that's not a question that my parents ever had the luxury of thinking, you know, because like we weren't poor, obviously, but they had to go to work. (laughs) Like, like most people. And so like Andrew Luck was in that spot where he didn't have to go to work. And I think when you are in these like these cycles, you're like so myopic that you don't realize what's happening to you You don't realize what's uh, being required of you. And you also don't realize So I, I feel like he felt like he was in like a scarcity mindset. And he's like clawing and fighting to pull himself up off this ledge and find success. And then he got injured. He went to rehab in, ho- in Holland. And then he looked down and was like, actually, it's, it's a two-foot drop. And maybe yeah. I should let go. And maybe I'll be more comfortable. Abundance in- mindset. Yeah. Maybe I'll be more comfortable not uh, clawing and fighting. So, it's I mean, the one of the things, I read it again today. One of the things that I walked away with that I hadn't thought of before is just how and particularly in the sports media world and in the sports landscape, we talk about everything as so absolute, as like you win or you lose, you're yeah. up or you're down, you're doing things the right way or you're doing things the wrong way. And it doesn't feel like that's how Andrew Luck looks at it anymore is like, it feels like there's even either an up or down, like you're climbing or you're falling. But now it kind of feels like everything's flat to him. Yeah. And he's like just meandering a bit, which doesn't sound positive, but I don't know. If you have the luxury to do that, then be an awesome dad and go back to Stanford to get a master's and
2: do whatever you can. And I think that that's also, that speaks to the privilege of being one of the best in the world at something when you're in your twenties. Cause that's something I will never know. And you do know, and it's, it's like, that is an elite fraternity of people who are able to be that successful to truly be world-class at something, because that affords you different opportunities to look at the world in a different way. Um, but yeah, there's one other thing that I just wanted to highlight really quickly that was, it wasn't a throwaway line, but it led to him uh, reassessing his rehab when he was in the Netherlands. And that was, they they talked about how he couldn't lift a 2.5 pound weight over his head. Um, and I say that because my friend Danny had the same thing, same shoulder injury. He realized it was so bad, but he couldn't reach his keys off the top of his locker. Um, and these guys, I can say this from the perspective of not having athletic ability, but being, being close enough to people who have and seeing it, how special and how different it is and like how mind blowing it is. These are people that can do things to that people like you and I, or me, not you, uh, that I think are, is superhuman can be this accurate, this strong, this powerful. And to see them lose that to the point, to me, that was like a, a throwaway line. But I guarantee you, that was something in his brain that was an oh shit moment. Like I cannot be who I was, period, full stop. Because this is something that my fiance can do, random guy in the street can do, can lift these 2.5 pound dumbbells. And I used to be able to throw a football and hit a doorknob from 40 yards away. And now I can't lift a dumbbell over my head. And that was like a, a, a throwaway line. But to see someone who's that talented... Mm-hmm. Uh be that restricted is always stunning.
0: Yeah. The the um yeah, the last thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit that stood out to me is and it doesn't connect directly to the Trey Young conversation that we had on Debatable a couple of days ago, but I think as we talk more and more about mental health, I don't know, I find it super interesting to think about game planning for a specific player's attributes which extends past their physical attributes to like emotional and psychological attributes and i do think that part of it is and it goes back to like does this person have the dog in them or not is like either you are built for this or you aren't yeah is one way to look at it but andrew luck is so clearly physically built for it But he realized that mentally or emotionally and also physically he broke down a little bit, but like he was not built for this system or this structure or this team as the the way it was created. I wonder if if there was more thought into game planning around the way that he is psychologically, emotionally, if things would have been different, because that's the thing that kept jumping out to me is. He was a square peg on the outside, but a round peg on the inside. And he was, like, forcing himself to fit this thing. And as he continued to do it, it just ate and ate and ate away at him to the point where he was being someone he didn't want to be. And he also was, like, I wouldn't say unhappy, but not happy most of the time. And, yeah, I I don't know. It feels like the next frontier, I guess, for, like, maximizing uh, performance and also probably uh, like elongating people's careers and all that stuff. But uh, I don't know. The the reason why I brought up Trey Young is because we had this conversation about how the expectation was Trey Young was going to drop into uh, the Hawks and be exactly like Steph Curry, whereas just because he's he can shoot, there are so many other things that go into it because he is not the, the leader that I think people want him to be, which doesn't mean he can't be that, but it, it also doesn't mean that you need to – Ex- expect him to be right. that you should try to create the expectations in the same way you wouldn't ask a quarterback to go out in his first day and throw 50 times you want to like protect him you should not have the expectation that someone's going to go out and
2: and be Peyton Manning as soon as they show the hell up right and especially someone who and this you know I thought this is actually fascinating I don't think he feels like a quitter. And I don't, I don't think he should. Because I think for him, the success was getting back that year, playing it all. Like, and I, do, I know Drew Brees changed this for everyone when he had that traumatic shoulder injury and came back and was like, oh, I'll just set 75 NFL passing records. That's not normal. And I think for him, the changing of his goals to play football again, allowed him to quit without feeling like a quitter. I, I truly wonder how his psychology would be different if he hadn't played that year. If he hadn't had those that 42 touchdown pass year in 2018. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I think we obviously don't know
0: everything that's going on in every player's life, but it does. Yeah. It doesn't often seem like the, the truly great, great guys who succeed on the field. It doesn't often seem like 20 years after they don't always seem like they are the like like happiest even if they continue right. to have success it's just a an interesting thing that obviously i i can't say is true or false but i i have a strong feeling that andrew luck he started this process early enough that he's going to be fine he's going to be in a good place he's going to be happy with his life when like at any point we go to talk to andrew luck again i don't think he's going to have regrets and i don't think he's going to be like sad and uh and broken up about the decisions that he's made or the place that he's at all right, yeah. that was
2: fun. Plus, plus he has an iPhone now, so maybe he'll text you back.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a ho- I met him one time um randomly uh, he was at uh my business school for a panel and we just talked in the back for a little bit. It was before yeah, I think it was before he retired. But anyway, we didn't talk about much. It was short. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's help, com slash df.
1: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, Poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify.
0: Yeah, so, all right, you promised fun. Is it time for the fun?
2: Yeah, we got a lot of bets. <laughs> so right now, we suck at betting. Yeah, we've been on a skid. We're, we were great, now we suck. We're 17 and 21 on the year, which is not horrible. We aren't, we're, we're, we're in the pink. I don't want to say we're in the full red yet. Um, but there are a lot of juicy games this weekend that I want us to figure out. And the first one is, I. we're going to work through this together. I is understood. we need to figure out the line for this Lions Vikings game. Because why are the Lions favored, the five and seven Lions favored by two and a half against the ten and two Lions, uh Vikings? And how do we approach this? Uh, it's in Minnesota. Um it's in Detroit.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know why that I mean I guess I know why they're close people think they're closer than than their record suggests. But Justin Jefferson's really good, and that defense is not. Uh and Jared Goff versus Kirk Cousins. Like I know Kirk Cousins has been up and down this year, and honestly, his career. But I still like him more than Jared Goff. Right. I don't know. Like, what's what,
2: I don't know what they know that we don't know. I know. I it, it's it's scary. It's scary because this is a ten and two team. This is a team that we should respect. But there's a secondary bet because. It seems so obvious that I'm afraid of it, but the secondary bet that I do like from this game is over 52 and a half um, because the Lions don't play any defense and the Vikings don't play much. And so like, okay, the Jets, which is not exactly an offensive juggernaut, even though we do we do love White Mike, um, they got into the Vikings red zone. On all six of their second half drives, but only managed three field goals in the touchdown. And they had a turnover on downs and an interception at the one. Like, just based on the math, if the if the Lions have a better offense, we're going to see a lot of points. And the Vikings are clearly going to drive the ball downfield against uh, against the Lions as well. So that's the one that stood stands out to me. It's a super high over under. But, like, the past two games between them had 56 and 52 points. So I don't yeah. see why this one wouldn't be like that.
0: I like that. I like that. Let's go. um, Yeah, let's go for the over on the points. Do you want to pick a winner? I mean, I I feel like we need to, given the points, we have to take the Vikings, right?
2: Should we take the Vikings as two-point dogs? Let's do it. Two and a half points. Yeah, Yeah, we got to. All All right, right. so we're locking in those two bets. I feel good about those two. I I don't even know if we need to circle back around just because, you know, We can't disrespect the vikings that much and if and if they if they hose us this weekend that also opens us up to disrespect them as much as we want for the rest of the season so this is a win-win i got a sucker parlay for us all right the chiefs over the broncos money line the cowboys over the texans money line and the bills over the jets money line these are all massive favorites it ends up being like minus 130 we're not getting exact value but like They can't lose those games.
0: Who's going to let us down? Who could potentially let us down? Not the Chiefs. They won't lose back-to-back. The Cowboys can't lose to the Texans because the Texans don't even want to win. So the only team that could let us down is the Bills – could lose to the Jets, but they've already lost to the Jets this year. I guess mm-hmm. this is not a game. And, and they actually have not run away with the division. It's a game they need against a team that they might be motivated to have revenge. Mike White is the question. The Bills' defense isn't what it once was. Is Mike White going to be good enough to lead them to victory? Is, right. Actually, the real question is, is Josh Allen going to make a lot of mistakes? Because if he doesn't, they're
2: fine. I like this parlay. Nothing to talk All about. Right. None of these teams are going to lose. It's no I way. do think worth worth noting uh, in this just total bummer that Von Miller got his ACL repaired and is out for the year because the Bills found themselves back in the one seed after seemingly forfeiting that with the three weird losses that they've had and it's just a bummer to lose their best defensive lineman or one of their best defensive linemen and one of on the
0: most fun guys to watch too
2: so yeah, yeah it sucks for everybody but yeah they'll win this weekend all right locking that one in next bet. This one, I'm not sure how you're going to feel about it. But the Bengals are six-point favorites at home against the Browns. I think that they are going to win by more than a touchdown. Deshaun Watson was horrendous in his first game. That's not even, that's not an overstatement. He was terrible. The Browns' offense was terrible. Um,
0: and this is another revenge game.
2: Yeah, he's better than he was early in the season when he got sacked a million times by the Browns. Yeah,
0: I mean it's will Miles Garrett destroy the game and can the Browns score enough points. I think I like the
2: Bengals and Burrow. Uh we go money line? No, uh do we can do the money line or we can do Bengals minus 6. They're 6 point favorites. Uh are they going to win by more than a touchdown. Uh
0: Uh money line me. Okay, we're going to the money I don't line. Trust, I, win- I don't trust that they'll win by more
2: than a touchdown. Worth noting that <laughs> the Cleveland defense is 27th in DVOA and oh, their rushing oh. defense is their rushing defense is 31st in DVOA. So the Bengals who have actually started running the ball with P Ryan and maybe Mixon will, will play well too. Um, could get, could churn up yards against this team, but all right, we'll stick with the money line. We're going to play it safe. Not making a huge pot on this one, but I like it. Um, the next one is similar. The Eagles are six and a half point favorites against the Giants, and I don't see them completely comfortable with that.
0: that. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to talk about it. They're gonna win by more than six, and I'm I just jinx them. But yeah, I, I don't I don't see the the Giants scoring enough points. Neither do I to like make it close. Like, yeah, I think the I don't know what the Eagles are averaging this year, but. It's a lot, and yeah, I think they can stop the Eagles because their corners are good enough to lock down anything, and they can load the box on the Daniel Jones Saquon show. So yeah, it should be a a layup right there. They'll win by more than six.
2: Yeah, it's a weird weird line. I know it's it's in New York, and I and the Giants got breathed second life into their playoff hopes by tying the Commandos last week. Yeah. But the Eagles are rolling, and they don't want to lose this game and give up the one seed to the Vikings. It matters for them too. Um. All right, the next one I got for you. So we we've locked in four bets. I feel good about yeah. these. These are bets. Yeah, that good I bets. Sometimes I, I bring them to you. and You're like, I hate this, but yeah, I, I like know, all these. Know. Okay. The next one. I want I want to do something crazy, and that's maybe bet on Derek Carr. The Raiders are playing the Rams tomorrow night. Um, yeah. Or I guess it should be tonight. This is coming out Thursday. Yeah. Tonight the Raiders are playing the Rams. But here are the two lines that got me. Derek Carr over 245 passing yards or Derek Carr over one and a half passing touchdowns. And like he's cleared the mark on both of those each of the last three weeks. And I don't think those are crazy numbers, like 245 yards in a game where presumably he'll throw the ball. Yeah, Um, I like both of
0: those. Uh, The Raiders are coming off three in a, a row and the Rams just signed Baker Mayfield. (laughs) <laughs> so there is it's not an optimistic building right there yeah um which one do you want i'll leave this one up to you
2: i kind of like the yards touchdowns yeah are touchdowns so are random. fickle
0: yeah all right we'll go we'll go with the yards okay
2: great the next one i actually don't know if i want to bet on i just think that we should point out that the 49ers are three-point favorites over the bucks brock purdy if you had that on your bingo card before the year yeah. brock purdy being a three-point favorite against the bucks and tom brady I have yeah. no read on that game. I will say that line opened at the 49ers favored by six and a half. And it's got bet all the way down because people are like, there's no way we can bet that Brock Purdy's a touchdown favorite over the. Uh, yeah, I don't want to bet on this game. I don't, uh, Yeah. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, the next one, I want to talk about Raven Steelers. The over under in that game is 37. That is minuscule. Nope, it's not betting over-under. on it. I'm
0: not doing it. I refuse to. They scored nine points or ten points last week, and I mean, Pickett is better than I thought he was going to be. But when you
2: go under, wouldn't you be tempted to go under thirty
0: seven? Oh, under thirty
2: seven. Oh, the problem is also is that neither of these defenses are that good.
0: Yeah. Ugh, no, I just I stay away. Stay away okay stay away i can't trust them
2: the next one and this is the last one or last football bet i've got for you is dolphins at chargers the dolphins are two and a half point favorites and i i just think they're better than the chargers and like last week like sometimes i think we overreact week to week on how good these teams are and the dolphins obviously they got boat raced by the 49ers but the chargers aren't as good as the 49ers um this is the Emmanuel Watcho Bowl, where we'll find out who's the <laughs> social media quarterback and who's not. And I want to be uh, really, it, it. My heart wants me to take Justin Herbert and that just out of spite and comedy. Yeah, but I do think the Dolphins are better. And I do think they're two and a half points better.
0: Yeah. We, we're going to partner up with Acho on this one. I think the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins win this game. You're right. I mean, the offensive line injuries is still a concern, but yeah, I, I trust, uh, them a little more what they've been doing through the course of this year I think yeah Dolphins will bounce back
2: yeah and as of now it seems doubtful that Corey Lindsley is going to play in this game so there might be a significant pass rush in Justin Herbert's face uh for the entire game all right get to the bet that we've all
0: been waiting for yeah
2: as like we're locking in those six we have six bets um but the bet that we we have I have odds for you (laughs) so, <laughs> I know night. where you're going with this. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the white lotus.
0: White finale. Yeah, who's gonna be there? Die? Are
2: odds, there are odds on oh, who really? will be the floating body that's so in dumb the, in the pool or in the ocean, I should say. All the right. first one, Isabella Valentina's Isabella. love interest. Okay, got in you. Yep, car. yep, she's yep, yep, yep. She's 200 to one. I don't see it. Uh, the next one, Bert Grandpa Bert. The old guy oh guy yeah, guy. yeah 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 gotcha. you. he's 100 to 1. Uh-huh. Lu- lucia um uh-huh. yeah duh. he's 50 to 1. uh the uh companion of yep. the digressos exactly. uh dominic chris imperioli or uh, christopher is 25 to 1. don't see that one happening now we're getting to the good ones portia and jack yep. 15 to 1. yeah both you get either either or both. That they're, they're both of them are. Oh, they're at the same odds. Oh, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, Albi is ten to one. Mm-hmm. Harper is ten to one. Ethan mm-hmm. is six to one. Tanya and Quinton are four to one. And Cameron, two to one. Yeah. How do we Cameron. feel about this?
3: Well, Mia's I mean,
2: off the board. By the way, they didn't give us odds for Mia, who I think should be far higher. All right. Well,
0: I. So I think there's a chance that there's multiple bodies, but it can't be any of like Aubrey Plaza, her husband um, or the guy or his wife, like that little foursome. It can't be any of them because like the woman who discovered the body Daffy found it. Yeah. Yeah. And she wasn't like freaking out like my husband or my best friend or whatever is in the ocean. She's like somebody's body. So it has to be someone
2: else. Um, I don't know. Who do you think? My predictions are Mia and Jack. And Mia is the piano player companion. Yeah, right. And I think the look on Valentina's face in episode one, like oh. she realized who it was, because now they have an entanglement. Um, you went, you was, went back and rewatched episode one, didn't you? Oh yeah, I did. I did. Uh, well, cause part of it, there was a, there was a, there was a line from Rocco that said it's a guest at the hotel. And that yeah. clicked with me because they are now guests at the hotel on Dominic's room. Yeah. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Plus she's too nice. And then the second one, Jack, I think he's failed. He spilled the beans on Clinton's whole uh, entrapment of Tanya and we saw the Cowboy Greg photo, and I think I don't, you know, Mike White does a really good job. White Lotus, is Mike White, not Jets quarterback, Mike White, of making this a, a story about, you know, class and standing. And I have a feeling he's going to do that again. And it's going to be someone who is either an escort on this show or someone who is sort of duping these rich people who ends up facing the consequences.
0: All right. Well, I feel like anyone who does not watch White Lotus is very angry at us. So you and I can call each other and continue this conversation later. I'm going to go with your bet. No, I'm I'm going to say Albie. like, okay. the, yeah, I don't know. I have no reasoning why I didn't go back and watch any episodes, but just like I feel like it'd be fun and funny. But anyway. All right. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, thanks. Adi Khan, Sarah Abbott, Christina Buswell. You guys are awesome because it is very late and you didn't have to do this. So. Thank you all very much. Anything you want to plug, Charlie?
2: Uh, Listen, subscribe, watch, Debatable. It's on all the SPN feeds. It's really good. You get a lot more Dominique Foxworth, and I like it.
0: Yeah, it's not bad. All right. See you guys. Thanks. This is the Dominique Foxworth
1: Show.